The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning I want to work through our gospel lesson backwards. So I want to start at the very end with this last verse, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You've heard it before, you've heard it in other ways. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Things in the kingdom of God are turned quite upside down. They're turned upside down from our world, a world in which striving and grasping and taking are the way to get ahead. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Things work quite to the contrary. When I was a bit younger, when I was in high school, I had a friend who gave me some really good advice about mountain biking. So I used to, <laughs> I used to do some mountain biking until one time I fell and then I got really scared of it. So I don't do it anymore because now I'm getting older and things hurt more. But I used to do a lot of mountain biking. And when you're mountain biking, you'd, you're riding your bike down a really narrow path in the woods usually, a single track of dirt in the path. And it happens that there are frequently obstacles in that path. A stump here, or a big boulder, or roots, or tree branches, whatever it might be, there are obstacles in that path. My friend gave me some really good advice as I was having trouble learning how to mountain bike. He said, if you want to avoid hitting that stump in the path, then don't look at it. If you look at that stump, guess what? You're going to hit it. Because it is generally the case that whatever you're aiming at, you're going to hit. Maybe you know that to be true more generally. The things we aim at are the things we tend to hit. So if you want to avoid the stump, aim at the path. Don't look at the stump. The same thing is true when it comes to that aphorism at the end of our gospel lesson. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. If your eyes are fixed on yourself, if your eyes are fixed on yourself, then guess what? You're going to hit the target. You're going to hit the target. It doesn't matter whether or not you're trying to be humble or you don't care one bit. You will inevitably be proud if your eyes are fixed on yourself. That means that in order to be humble, 
You cannot think about being humble. This is one of the paradoxical things about humility. If you want to be humble, you cannot think about being humble because that's when your eyes are fixed on yourself. As soon as you think you've succeeded in being humble, guess what? <laughs> You're at your most proud moment. You're most proud at that moment. If you've ever heard somebody say, I'm so very humble, you know exactly what I mean. The person who says that is, of course, the least humble person you could know. As soon as you think you're humble, that's when you're proudest. The fact is, however, that having our eyes fixed on ourselves is at the root of sin. So, of course, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Think about how things were for Adam and Eve before they fell into sin. What were their eyes fixed on? God had created this beautiful garden, this whole world, in fact, for them to be fruitful and multiply, to exercise dominion, to replenish the earth, to subdue it. They were given this beautiful task, and their eyes were to be fixed both on God and on the world around them that he had created for them, and on one another. Their eyes were cast elsewhere. They were not looking at themselves. That's why, although they were naked, they were not ashamed. What happened as soon as their eyes were opened? They looked at themselves and saw that they were naked and became ashamed. Think then about what the devil did, the kind of temptation that the serpent gave to Eve when he whispered in her ear, what was he trying to do? He was trying to get her to fix her, fix her eyes on herself, to take her eyes off of God, her father, and place them on herself. So what did he say? He said, that heavenly father of yours doesn't really love you. You will not surely die if you eat the fruit of that tree. Look, it's good for eating. It's delightful. It's good for you. It will make you wise. It will give you the knowledge of good and evil. It will make you like God. Think about yourself, the devil says. Think about what will be good for you. Don't think about God. Don't think about his commands. Think about yourself. Of course, that's been our problem ever since. The kinds of questions we tend to ask about our lives are these kinds of questions. What is good for me? What do I want? What makes me comfortable and happy? What do I think? Do people like me? Do they think that I'm great? The problem of having our eyes fixed on ourselves is a dreadful problem. It's a terrible life, always to be curved in on yourself, always wondering what's good for you. But it is a life we cannot escape on our own. And this is what God's word is good for. This is why God has given us the Holy Scriptures, because they take our eyes off of ourselves. They do this in three ways. The first one is a little bit painful. God's Word shows us that although we love looking at ourselves, we really aren't that much to look at. What does Jesus say about you and me? He's talking with the Pharisees at one point who are concerned about staying clean on the outside of their bodies. And he says to, Jesus says to them, it's not what you put into your body, it's not what you touch, it's not the things that you handle that make you unclean. Guess what it is? It's what comes out of you. Because from what's in a person comes all kinds of sin, all kinds of evil. Every commandment broken. That's what's inside of you. And if you look at yourself, that's what you'll see, if you're honest. And this is one of the great things that the Bible does for us. It shows us what we see when we look at ourselves. It robs us of that delusion that we're great, that we're wonderful, that God should love us because of who we are. The Bible tells you that you're nothing to look at. But it doesn't just leave you there. That would be a terrible place to stay, of course, a place of despair. It doesn't just leave you there. The Bible casts your eyes in two other directions as well. It says, first of all, take your eyes off yourself. You're not much to look at. 
but look instead to God. Consider his glory. Fix your eyes on the splendor and majesty of your heavenly Father, whose glory it was to create this world for you, who continues to sustain you in this world by giving you every good thing that you need for your body, for your life, who gives you every good thing that you need for your soul, not least of all, sending his Son into the world to be born of woman, to be born in flesh, to bear the sins of the world. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, and there you see the great love that God has for you. There you see the glory of God which passes all our imaginations, which passes all under our understanding. There is nothing beautiful in you or me to behold, but here is beauty beyond comprehension. So fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on his glory revealed in forgiving your sins. That's the second thing the Bible does for us. It says, take your eyes off yourself, and then it says, take your eyes and place them on God. What a beauty to behold. St. Paul tells us something about this in uh, his letter to the Philippians. He captures this all really well, beginning at verse 5 of chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 5, he says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So the glory of Jesus is not simply that he is divine from eternity, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. But it is that he did not hold on to that glory for your sake. He let it go, humbled himself so that he could rescue you. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, sent to forgive your sins, there is nothing else in this world worth looking at. That is the most beautiful thing we can behold. And we learn from that sight what sacrifice looks like, what love looks like. And this is the third thing that God draws our attention to in the Holy Scriptures. He shows us the goodness the goodness of loving our neighbors. For that is precisely the goodness of Jesus in showing love to people like you and me. And when we love our neighbors, when we look around us, when our eyes are not fixed on ourselves, but first on our Heavenly Father and then on the people around us, we participate with God in His love. We become imitators of Him, doing His work with Him, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. We fulfill the purpose that was given to us in creation. We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and better yet, for it is that original nature that was given to Adam and Eve that was lost that has now been restored in baptism. When your eyes are not fixed on yourself, but on those around you, you are fulfilling your purpose. You are fulfilling the nature that God has given to you in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It changes the way we think about humility. So often, I think, we imagine that humility is thinking less of ourselves. C.S. Lewis, maybe you know C.S. Lewis wrote the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia. He put it this way. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself 
less. I, I put it this way. It, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking more highly of others. Just imagine. Just imagine the glory of the people around you who are not just lumps of flesh, not just creatures, mere creatures of God like the animals, but they are people made in the image of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, people loved by God, children of God, to be glorified by God. How can you not think highly of them, the people around you, the people in your life, your friends and your neighbors? Think about them. Cast your eyes on them. Fix your eyes on them and what's good for them. The Bible takes away our notions of pride. It reminds us that we've got nothing in ourselves to commend ourselves, but that God has everything in him of glory that we should regard, that we should attend to, that we should seek. And he reminds us that there's a glory in our neighbors that we can pursue, that we can fulfill by sharing his love with them. This is what God's word is for. And it gives us a chance to back up and look at the earlier parts of the gospel lesson. Take a look at that parable that Jesus told just before that last verse. It was a parable that kind of conveys some common sense. You know that this is the case. How embarrassing it would be to show up at a wedding party and take a seat at the head table right next to the bride and the groom if you were not a part of that wedding party. Right? How embarrassing would that be? To then have the best man walk up to you and say, Hey, sorry, this is not your spot. You've got to go sit. There's one table left actually out in the lobby. You better go sit out there. Right? How embarrassing that would be. Common sense. Don't live like that. But Jesus says we're commonsensical about that in our lives, and our day-to-day -day lives. We lose sight of that in the kingdom of God. We lose sight of that when it comes to our eternal life. And the key is this. The glory that we would grasp, the glory that we would seek after by thinking about ourselves, by having our eyes fixed on ourselves, that glory is short-lived and fleeting. As short-lived as that glory would be of sitting at the head table, and it is soon followed by shame and embarrassment. How fragile and fleeting the glory that we can seek after for ourselves. How fragile and fleeting it is. How much better is glory that is given to you. Glory that is received. Glory that you don't have to grasp after. That you don't have to cling to desperately because the one who gives it to you guarantees it. How much better is that glory? The glory of being invited. Of being called. Of being welcomed. This is precisely what God your Heavenly Father has done to you. Don't seek after your own glory. He will glorify you. Receive from Him the glory that He has for you in Christ Jesus. That's what that parable means for us, and it tells us also something about the story that came earlier, the story of the Pharisees. Jesus was at their house on the Sabbath day, and they were not minding any of this. They were doing exactly the opposite. They had this show of piety, this show of humility. It was a false humility because they were thinking, only of themselves. That was what went wrong with the Pharisees. Had their eyes been fixed on God, they would have known what the Sabbath was for. What does God use the Sabbath for? Not for keeping a set of regulations, not for checking off a list, not for making sure that you are well, that you're doing good. The Sabbath is given to us as a blessing. How does God use the Sabbath? He uses it to bless to fill you up with his word, to give you rest by his Holy Spirit. If the Pharisees had had their eyes fixed on God, they would have seen how he used the Sabbath, and there would have been no question in their minds as to how they should use it, to do good and not to do evil, to bless and not to curse, to answer wholeheartedly, yes, it is right to heal on the Sabbath, to make well, to restore, to give life. 
They could not see it, though, because their eyes were fixed on themselves. They could not see the glory of God, and so they could not reflect it in their own lives. The point of all this is very simple, and I think by now you get it. Humility. Humility is impossible. It's impossibly hard if your eyes are fixed on yourself. If your eyes are fixed on yourself, it doesn't matter whether you're trying to be humble or not. You will only ever end up being proud. So give up on that. Give up on yourself. And instead, learn from God's word where to fix your eyes. Heed the word of God, which shows you what's in your heart. Shows you that there's nothing to be proud of in your heart. Fixing your eyes on yourself can only ever lead to despair of yourself, to fear of death and judgment, which is good when it leads you then to cast your eyes elsewhere for hope. And so heed the word of God, which reveals to you the mercy of God, which offers to fill your vision with the image of Christ on the cross, forgiving your sins. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy the joy of redeeming you, who for the joy that was set before him endured even the cross, despising the shame. His humility is your glory. Keep your eyes fixed ever on Jesus and see how much he loves your neighbors, how much he cares for them, how much he sacrificed for them, so that you might learn to do the same. To him be all glory now and forever. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.